Last time we talked about what WebXR is and what kind of WebXR projects you've been working on. Uh, let's today talk about Constructorcade. Constructorcade is one of the bigger, I would say, um, WebXR websites out there, a collection of many, many uh, WebXR games generally. Florian, you've been working on Constructorcade for uh, almost one and a half years now, right? Yes. So how's, how's your journey been since? Uh, so Constructor Arcade is uh, White Rabbit's, I'd say, um, biggest project so far. Uh, it's the website that we've created in October of 2018. And we've been steadily growing games on it and doing new and interesting things since then. So um, last year, for example, we've released Barista Express and we've made some smaller games that are just um, holiday-themed just casual games. We've also hosted other um, developers to um, on our platform. People have submitted their games, and we've been growing and growing ever since. And since uh, last year, we have uh, Adarius on board, and he's made two games now, which uh, one of them is on the platform, and the second one is about to release. So it's going pretty interesting. Very cool. So how would you describe Constructor Kate? Is it more like a free platform or more like a shop or more like a store? I don't know. Uh, um, so if you remember like old um, Flash games websites, it's modeled after a similar um, approach where we host games um, to be played for free. And uh, we're also working with our partners at um, Wonderleap to bring monetization for developers uh, on the platform. So we're actually trying to make a platform that is uh, that makes gaming on WebXR reliable and profitable. And uh, also what we want to do with Constructorcade is to bring people together. And for doing that, we're also um, thinking about expanding um, what we can do currently with the platform into a more um, VR-based platform rather than a website. But uh, that's future talk, so that's not here yet. We're going to get there at some point. But uh, seeing the amount of players on the website grow has been a steady stream of happiness for me. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Cool, cool. So Darius, you've been working uh, with us on Construct Arcade since last October. And uh, as Florian already mentioned, you released two games for it already. Um, one of those, ga or both games you actually described last episode. Um, how was that process of like developing for these games or developing these games in general? We used A-Frame to realize it. So it's a framework based on WebGL and 3JS. So it's um, the... It's a very high-level concept um, programming language, so it's easy to use if you read the documentations, and it's quite fun because you can visualize everything. Yeah, that's my point very cool. Here. Nice. So, um, um, so, so why, why would you say uh, why would you say that like you would like to work with A-Frame instead of something else like? So three JS. Yeah, you can you can write all your components in JavaScript. That's very cool. So you don't have to learn any other engine like Unreal or Unity to do this. And yeah, it's it's quite comfortable with the with the browser sync. You can work pretty fast. 
Also, uh, could you explain what browser sync is so that people don't get confused? So the changes you are made to your code are directly um, sent to your browser, so you you see exactly what are you you changing. Okay. Cool. So it makes development really really fast and yeah. easy, right? Yeah, that's that's a great thing about JavaScript development is there's a lot of libraries, a lot of tools that you can use to improve and optimize the workflow you have. So um, it's definitely a language that allows for a lot of flexibility with its nature. So that's pretty nice. Also, the component-based uh, nature of A-Frame allows you to uh, pretty easily adapt from engines like Unity to just, you know, have just a you know more text-based approach, but still a rather similar one. And that's because of this con uh, component concept, right? Which is like exactly. common in all those engines. Exactly. So it's really um, a lot more fun than working with a native uh, library. Not native, but like 3JS, for example, uh, requires you to have a more classical programming approach where you have objects, where you declare your own um, hierarchy and everything. and in A-Frame, you rather have like an HTML page that you declare uh, your objects in, mm -hmm. which then gets translated into 3JS commands, which then generate the, the scene for you. So you don't necessarily have to yeah. say new object, da 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 da, for every object you create. Instead, you just say, okay, I have an HTML tag, this is a box, and then position it with attributes instead of. Uh, calling functions on position things. So, like Dara said, it's uh, A-Frame is way more high level, a more high level concept yes, than the JS. It's more low level, more down to WebGL. I think is basically the most low level yeah. you can get, right? And you can also access any three uh, JS function, which is which makes uh, a lot of math, a lot of um, game logic things interest uh, simple enough to work with. So, if you want to do like Quaternion magic, you can do that with the 3GS functions and yeah, so. And so you still have the flexibility of 3GS, but exactly. with the high level concepts added onto it from A-Frame. Exactly. Nice, so uh, so Constructor Kate is like a VR browser games portal with free games on it uh, for virtual reality only, right? Um, and we have this VR hub on it. Darius, maybe you want to go into describing what this VR hub is. So the VR hub is basically a selection tool. You, you enter the room in VR with some arcade machines and you can click through the games and then you can start a game and go back and from the games you can go back to VR Hub. So the VR Hub is basically the center of our experience to get in games. Yeah, that's it. Cool. So the VR Hub basically allows you to in VR start other VR games, uh, which makes the transition easier or I don't know, maybe maybe just a little more fluid or something. Um, is like if you think about the VR hub, do you have any like vision of what it's going to be? Because as I understand, it's quite rudimentary at the moment. So in my opinion, it should be more like a kind of a maze or something like uh, it's it should be an adventure for the player to enter and then find the games somewhere and you have maybe tell your friend where you find that great game and a lot of more magic in the in the in the VR hub is I, I imagine 
So kind of like the making the hub itself an experience that's worth visiting rather than just like a tool to launch other games. Yes, exactly. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. All right, guys. Episode two with this is complete. We're looking forward to seeing you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. All right, welcome back to the White Rabbit podcast. We still have Elijah on the show. The last episode turned out pretty long and we probably even had to split it. Before we start and continue talking to Elijah about uh, why he is so heavily invested in WebXR and believes that it's going to be a thing and uh, what WebXR's biggest problems are, um, I just quickly wanted to uh, tell you guys that today, uh, the 20th of January, um, at 5 p.m. CET, that's 11 a.m. EST, 4 p.m. WET, and uh, 9.30 p.m. IST, 1 a.m. JST, is going to be the next Wonder Leap Open Web XR uh, meetup on Mozilla Hubs. So if you're interested in meeting a couple of people that are uh, somehow involved with WebXR, please join us and uh, you'll find a link to the Discord somewhere in the description of this podcast. So hop on the Wonder Leap Discord channel and then find the announcement and the Hubs link over there. Hopefully see you in six hours. All right. So Elijah, it's great to have you still on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. We already heard about uh, how you got into WebXR and how you found WebXR through the Oculus Quest and the Oculus browser. Um, something must have sparked there. How, how did you see the potential from the beginning? To be honest, it was you guys. I think... Uh, After after my ch <laughs> after my chat with uh, with with you, Jonathan and, and Flo, um, you know I I've never seen people who were uh, so passionate about what they were what they were working on and, and 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 building. And you guys had a very clear vision for for how things could be. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of work to be done. Um, And you know the work is not going to do itself. We can't rely on, you know, large companies. I think they definitely laid down a lot of the infrastructure. Uh, I mean, for not for Google with with Brandon and uh, the work that Nell is doing at Amazon with with the WebXR API uh, and actually implementing that into Chromium, um, getting it out for you know release and like having it widely distributed. As well as you know, I think we recently heard about Microsoft Edge. Uh, getting the WebXR API implementation and Firefox is coming soon, and like Firefox Reality and the Oculus browser. Without all these things, it's not possible. But you need people to get on board with what they're doing and use the platform for like actually creating content and games and pushing WebXR forward. So, um, out of all the people that I was talking to, engaging with, you know, during sort of my exploration phase, you guys were kind, passionate. Um, engaged and, and very knowledgeable about the space and it motivated me even more to realize that this this is something that I could be spending a lot more time doing uh, and working on and I wanted to I think like I, I really wanted to join and help in some way and so monet I, when I when I talked about monetization there wasn't a very clear answer so I thought that's some that's an area that I could contribute towards 
and uh, yeah, that's that's sort of how it all got started. Uh, obviously, you need the hardware. You need the like. I, I had the Quest and I played around with it. And I was like, this is this is awesome. Like this is the this is the next way in which people will interact with technology. It will no longer just be two D screens. It'll be worlds, and you know, it's going to redefine the way that we think about social. It's going to redefine the way that we think about user interfaces, and um, I think there's a, already been a lot of you know VR research in labs, uh, especially in like human computer interaction. I know like a lot of schools are studying this, but getting it into the consumer, I think, is probably the best way to learn. And though Oculus is leading the way there, I think I'm looking forward to seeing all the other players that will that will come on board and hopefully contribute to the space in a meaningful way. Wow, I didn't expect such a um, such a flood of compliments there. Uh, first of all, thank <laughs> thank you. I'm yeah. I, uh, we're really flattered, uh, yeah. man. Um, yeah, what you said about the browsers is like totally right. It's amazing to see these big players get into the space with um, all of their contributions to the WebXR specification, uh, implementing in browsers. But also, like you said, it takes a lot more than just that because what would the web be without websites? I mean, if you have a browser and you can't do anything with it, then that's really, it, it misses the biggest part of the experience, right? And also yeah. around that, uh, it needs people like you who actually make it worthwhile to build a website or to create a WebXR experience because it takes a lot of effort. And it's really like once you contacted us, for us, it was like this amazing moment of someone actually um, taking this huge leap, uh, no pun intended, um, of like trying to get money into the space and make it worthwhile for developers to build um, build their WebXR experiences and somehow go full-time on their passion, right? How we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and giving us this, um, this light, basically, um, one day being able to sustain ourselves only doing WebXR because at the time we were heavily doing contract work and still do every now and then today. Uh, so yeah, well, mm -hmm. amazing to especially talk to people like you who were similarly passionate about this WebXR uh, space and being at the peak of an emerging industry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, like I also want to manage expectations and I want to make sure that I, I don't overpromise and you know underdeliver. I think there's still so much work to do, um, and I'm just coming to realize that uh, it takes time. It takes It, it, you know, you're not going to have consistent, you know, excellent productivity. You're not going to have excellent, you know, I think productivity comes and goes and you just have to keep pushing. Um, so I think I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself as well, you know, and and life in general, just exploring this space with you guys. So it's been it's been a real, um, really enlightening and awesome time together. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, that it takes like not just the browsers, uh, but also developers actually building experience. That's one one of the things that is currently problematic in the WebXR space, that we need more content, ideally. What other things could you imagine are currently WebXR's biggest problems? Well, I think to go along with your, with your point about um, not having enough content, just it needs to be easier to make content. And I know, I know in one of your episodes previously, You mentioned an engine that you guys are building, the Wonderland engine. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to all the 
all the new content that that's going to make um, possible. You know, Unity and Unreal Engine have sort of been the central ways of, of making games and, and experiences, but that's only limited to the platforms that support it. And it does not support the web as well as we'd like it to. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Wonderland Engine makes possible. In addition to easier creation tools, on the, you know, I think we talked about this before, like there is definitely a chicken and egg problem of developers not being motivated to make content because there isn't enough people consuming it. And so uh, devices need to be people, I think people need to look beyond experiences in the devices as just the, the content that's available on the Oculus store. People need to also venture out into the web. And though what they may see right now is not the full manifestation of what is possible. Hopefully there are people who are patient enough to wait for experiences that will come in the future that will captivate them and retain them and and help them, you know, just enjoy enjoy you know the free content that's available on the web. Uh, I think right now the Oculus App Store is very much the sort of the central Oculus and Steam VR are sort of like the central hubs of, of content. And I hope that WebVR and WebXR gets to a point where, you know, it starts to pull that attention away from these app stores and into into the free content that's available and just makes for a more diverse. And I think I'm, I'm definitely aligned with what Mozilla is kind of advocating for and like what sort of their mission is, like mm-hmm. a, more, a more diverse and more interesting and, and active web community. Like that would be that would be I think that is sort of utopic um, and might be too idealistic, but uh, I don't think it really hurts to be super idealistic on those topics. Yeah, I remember uh, one discussion we once had about Construct Arcade being like the central thing and kind of going against diversity in the web in some way. Hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I think there's so many different areas that WebXR uh, could. Uh, flourish in not just games, but also like educational experience. I think we had like an episode on um, what the potential of WebEx are um, just in general, just an exchange, a creative uh, brainstorm of ideas. Um, yeah, we talked about how, in what ways you could use WebXR in all the dimensions that it's going to be possible in the future. But saying that now is probably going to to be obsolete in a couple of years when we have uh, devices that we don't even think about right now that may be supporting hand tracking natively or might even have haptic feedback controllers that allow for um, more social experiences. So we could see even more social things coming out and everything being built around certain interaction patterns or around certain uh, visual uh, aesthetics even. Who knows? Thank you for listening to part three of our conversation with Elijah. We will continue with part four tomorrow.